Hi everyone, I'm Nomsa. And I'm Portia. Welcome to Assume It Will Be Brilliant, a Shondaland Stand podcast. Hey Nomsa. Hi Portia. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually really good. It's, yeah. Uh, I have had insomnia for about a week, so oh, no. I finally slept last night. <laughs> so uh-huh. I feel great. Um, it's funny because we'd actually spoken about Owen being the captain of the toxic. <laughs> Oh my god, Timo. <laughs> but you know what? I actually must defend him and say he's not captain. The captain is I mean, we've got captains who are the overtop cruel well, villain people. That's so. the thing. There's like different levels to this. And when we were planning this episode, we came up with a couple of categories, which is how we're gonna go through them. We're gonna talk about over the top, definitely made for TV, quintessential villain level of toxic, just straight up violent, essentially. And then we're gonna talk about the men who are sort of toxic up front. They show up and you're like, oh, this is the guy with that kind of behavior. And then we're gonna talk about those knight and shining armor toxics. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And then because we know hashtag not all men, okay, we understand <laughs> we understand that it's not everyone we're going to discuss, like, the least toxic. <laughs> this is, I think, everybody's fave over the top, Papa Pope and Cyrus Bean. To be honest, I don't know how, who I would rank above who. What are your thoughts? <sighs> um... <laughs> I'm even afraid to answer in case like they come after me. <laughs> they feel a little bit that way. I'm afraid to casually, you know, invoke Papa Pope. <laughs> you know what? I I think maybe Papa Pope is top top. Just cause he just when he would speak, I got so much anxiety whenever yeah. he was on the screen. Yeah. Like it would yeah. just be angst the entire time <laughs> because you have no clue what kind of hell is going to unleash yeah, yeah. and just the you know what we, to- we spoke about these also toxic women his wife i think the combination if, if those are I your parents I, <laughs> I just, honestly olivia turned out to be an actual angel in consideration of everything she is she is arch she's an archangel like i mean <laughs> yes <laughs> But also, we do have to say, Papa Pope has one of the best monologues there ever has been. He gives that speech. And I will never forget the shudder that went down the spine when he told her. And to be clear, I'm (laughs) the hell. It's just... And uh, he's a consummate actor. So I just... I mean, Cyrus also very... You know what was scary for me is... You know, forming a personal relationship with this man would endanger your life. And I just felt like, Cyrus, I don't understand you. Because didn't his husband get killed? Or didn't Mm. he, like, wasn't he at fault at that? Because with the husband dying? And it was Uh, like, yo, Cyrus, you are irredeemable. (laughs) It's actually devious. And also terrifying. And you know, him and Papa Pope have in common, I think, the faculty that the actors have over their uh, tone and their voices to that dark place that comes out to terrify you. Yes, yes. And then, of course, we have the Franks and the Hucks of this world. Frank being from How to Get Away with Murder and Hank also being, I mean, sorry, Huck being from Scandal. And these are the men that they just portray as they're just sort of sick and twisted and they're a little bit sociopathic, really is yes. the way that they're presented. And so I'm a bit, 
reluctant to even sort of comment on them. Similarly, sort of to Papa Pope, is that they're presented in these... For Cyrus and Papa Pope, they're characterized in this sort of like intellectual, psychological deviousness. And Frank yes. and Huck are just straight up physically violent. They're the muscle. There's not, there's not much space to go from there, you know? Although what I found with Frank and Huck, which was quite different to Papa Pope and um, Cyrus, was that they tried to make them still likable. You still like Frank and you still like Huck. And only sometimes, I mean, it's an integral part of their character, but like sometimes you see this really vi- violent part of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's explained away by the trauma that they've, you know, experienced mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. lives. And, but they, they, there was still an attempt to make them, I guess, human. Whereas Papa Pope and Cyrus, they're just villainous. You love to hate them. You love them because they're just out and out villains. Mm-hmm. Frank and Huck, you kind of feel for them, which is quite different, I think, to the relationship with the ha- that you have with the very scary Papa Pope or Cyrus. That's true. They are made to feel likable. And often, again, as we were talking about the trope, it's through the lens of the women who love them that yeah. like, sort of sanctify them redeemable. No other man is sort of like trying to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, don't worry, Frank, you're a good guy. You know what I'm saying? It's also TV, you know, like these yeah, exactly. are characters that are, these They're are the definitely made for TV, made like for, for the TV. drama. Like yeah. Chief Michael Dixon, who was basically a stereotype of toxic masculinity. He's threatening right in your face. He is racist. He is homophobic. He is loud. He is brash. He is greedy. He is out only for himself. So it's sort of like everything you can think of across the spectrum, right? Of what's the Mm -hmm. worst kind of dude. They sort of distill it into this character. So he's not actually very three-dimensional at all. But that's the other... That's the other character in the Shondaverse that is a like made for TV sort of. It actually makes me think of a quote I saw um, today actually about the alpha male, oh. and it's about it's a, it was a tweet and it was like the alpha male is the first version of of males because <laughs> you know it's alpha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just the one without the updates and the the upgrades. It's, oh, that's it's not to be disseminated to to, yeah. the, to general the general public. The <laughs> general public, not yet for public viewing. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Michael Dixon's the alpha, the alpha male. He really is. He is, or the beta male. I don't know. It's he's a lot. He's not there for very long, which is quite satisfying. And again, they, it's it's sort of a very cliche revenge storyline that plays out you know and then we have (laughs) they're like just they're just toxic f they just they have the their quality to me it's when you tip into the manipulative right because that's sort of yes yes where toxicity generally kind of resides it's behavior that is engaged in whether consciously or unconsciously to manipulate those around you the actions that are employed to go about the manipulation the behaviors that are displayed will differ right from person to person and so for some people, it's just straight up deceit. They're not doing anything overtly terrible. So you have Sam Keating and Elise's right. ex-husband. He's just lying about things. He's having affairs. He's being a very bad therapist. He's being a very bad you know, therapist. He, exactly. Like, in fact, Annalise's wife used to be a patient of his. So truly, this should never have happened, right? So there's some sort of power dynamic that he's manipulating in this situation. While he was married, just to add... Portia, do you remember 
when Owen cheated on Christina. Yo. He cheated on his other girlfriend, Emma, with Christina. Yeah. His fiance. Remember how he just didn't call his fiance when he came back? <laughs> just didn't call his mom or his fiance. And then when everyone's like, what the hell, Owen? He's like, you can't understand my pain. I've I was been through trauma. <laughs> he's like, I've been trying to save you from me. You know, and like, <laughs> that could be real, but it doesn't make it not shitty manipulative behavior. Yeah. And I think a lot of these sort of, these toxic upfront sort of characters that we're talking about now there's something that they try i don't know about sam keating but you know from owen going forward they're trying to make it so we see that they're not irredeemable whereas Mm -hmm. the villain villains they're irredeemable you're not trying Mm -hmm. to see the good side of papa pope they're doing something and then saying but won't you just understand why i did it and I'm sorry, exactly. I did it, but here I go. I'm going to do it six more times. Um, exactly. Because I mean, Sam, his relationship with Annalise is, you know, we fell in love. Mm. So it's almost defensible. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he fell in love and it wasn't um, that she was necessarily young. Yes, she was a, a client or patient of his, but it's different. I mean, what is irredeemable about Sam is that he did it again with Lila and then got her pregnant and then try to get her killed and like starts this whole the whole cycle but I mean with Owen we're always seeing his side and of Mm -hmm. course this poor man if he wants to have kids he should have kids but he should go to be with someone that wants to have kids it's almost inexcusable that he keeps dating these women that don't want but it's still excusable like we always sort of see the side of Owen which is not just this terrible husband or bad boyfriend or whatever it is like he is still a good person and we still not me but people still root for him and mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it's like there's that thing about these characters where they may be toxic but you still are rooting for them you still want or at least root, rooting for the changed behavior I still root for him to really figure out his life and change his behavior the truth of the matter is like everybody's a little bit toxic even the most super evolved they have peace in their hearts or whatever they're not mad at anyone which i don't know that that's necessarily true the point is that you're trying to be a better person right and so then we had this group of characters right who sort of seemed to mirror each other or be in a similar category um he started off just being like yes i actually am a toxic male and proud of it right (laughs) Yes, I am evil spawn. (laughs) I am evil spawn. I have no shame. Then you have Connor in How to Get Away with Murder. And for me, I thought Pete, he did give off real Alex vibes because he was a widow. And so that was his big pain. And because of that, he closed himself off to intimacy with women. And then when he was sort of wanting to be intimate with them, it felt very demandy to me. And then in Station 19, you have Jack Gibson, who grew up in foster care. He's very much the Alex of of, Station 19, 19, although he's a little less, I would say, aggressive than Alex was in his beginning. So he very much is a playboy. He's presented that way, like he's hooking up with whoever. He's sort of, you know, the side piece for some women. Um, Mm -hmm. But then he also has a real, I've got to take care of a damsel in distress streak. So Mm -hmm. he either doesn't care or he's a savior. And that's a little bit, both of those are toxic in their own ways. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for a lot of these ones, Alex, Connor, Pete, Jack, there's like Mm. that connection to there's a deep wound that hasn't Mm. healed or that they haven't addressed in their lives, which causes them or rather, which explains a lot of their toxic behavior. 
where when they start dealing with it, they then start to grow and evolve, which I, I don't hate it. I, it's a, it's a, I mean, it is the, the, the ultimate part of the trope, but I do, I'm grateful that these characters do start to evolve and do start right. to deal with. Yeah. Well, also tropes and cliches aren't 100% false, right? It's just, Absolutely. if you present them to be the norm, then yeah. it becomes somewhat problematic. But that's the tr- that's very, very true. It is, in fact, the case that if you have a deep wound that you haven't healed, haven't dealt with properly, a lot of your actions will be driven by that sort of distorted view of the world and people. Dysfunction, and, yeah. And exactly, that dysfunction. And yes, when you start to look at it, when you're in relationship with people who help you to confront it, when you're, you know, there's sort of safe space created around the situation so that you can heal it, you know, mm. then you do get better. Like that's just a true arc of life and people and things. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Yeah. The problem areas are when it looks as though the men are allowed to take it as far as they want and the yeah. women are there to serve, you know, to serve their healing only, right? And sort of like yes. this like fuddy-duddy on the side, you know? They're there just yes. give, give the man an assist on his journey as though they don't have their own journeys that they're on, right? That's a good, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I hate to do this, but you know, pod fave. Pod fave. Okay. (laughs) Mark, you know how you were. You know know what you did. (laughs) You know what you did. And I mean, he was very much okay and happy to be a disruptor in happy relationships, you know? <laughs> and he existed in a way where he put some women on a pedestal, you know, a la Lexi, a la Addison. And then remember the whole seasons when it was like, oh, Mark is sleeping with all the women in the hospital, LOL, you know? It was yes, like- yes. And so that sort of dissonance is very annoying, you know, and it is manipulative for the viewers because, yeah, you give us this wonderful, charismatic man who's funny. Look at us being yeah. like, Mark is the pod fame, but really, he's he the best. Not he's nice terrible. to a lot of people. <laughs> he was terrible. Alex was similar in that they would just sleep with a whole bunch of different women and sometimes just not make the expectations clear. Right. So, they, I mean, Alex would be sleeping around, but not very clear with Izzy, for instance. Hey, this is yeah. my issue. And then he'd go sleep with Nurse Olivia. When Mark was sleeping with, was dating Teddy. Teddy. And then decided one day, I'm going to sleep with, what's that character's name? Reed. Uh, Reed. Yeah. <laughs> They're only toxic to the extent that they are being exploitative of other people they're making others believe something that isn't true because if you are clear about what your intention is if you are behaving and you're you know you're free in your chest and the people you're engaging with are hyper aware of what the situation is right yeah so the mark of private practice was cooper i'm a fun guy yeah i like to meet random women on the internet who are down for a good night and do what i do I make no apologies for this. Everybody knows what's going on. But then he, when he was um, in love with Charlotte, there was this way in which he was, and you understood it because you're watching him. So his friendship with Violet is a certain way. Yes. And for obvious reasons, Charlotte would be like, this is strange. This is weird. And, but he had a healthy dismissive attitude, right? And again, as ego does for all people, it ca- he would ca- always cast himself in the best light possible and yeah. not really have an understanding for how his behavior is perceived by others. Similarly, I think Mark and Cooper, we have Karasik. Oh, I love Karasik. Mm. <laughs> I love toxic men. <laughs> you, 
it's true it's like a vibe it's like i'm just like rough on the outside but if you sit close to me i'll get real with you one day and then you'll realize i'm deep yeah, yeah that's what they do with these people all the time alex the same like no i'm really like a cuddly bear on the inside but mm. why can't you just grow up then <laughs> just go to therapy <laughs> what i did love about Karasik is he really did love Teddy and he gave that his full attention when it was, he was really committed to Teddy. I also loved that in the end, he recognized, took accountability for his own shortcomings. And he said, look, I am shocking in these areas, but I want to improve. And, you know, this is my privilege or whatever it is. And I want to do better. I want to do more. And I really appreciate that, that actual vocalization of, I'm going to be better because I know I've been trash. You know what's funny is as you're speaking and as I'm actually reflecting on Karasik, but I don't think in the in the sort of she- shady and, you know, low-key way, not even low-key, Mark was high-key manipulative, you know, because he would use his sort of handsomeness and vibes, you know? Um, so I don't know. Karasik, I'm going to, right now I'm going to recategorize you and put you under the least toxic because you, you said what you said, you know? You said what you said. Look, for me, Mark, then... I don't know if he's that toxic. No, oh. no, 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 stop it. Mark. Okay. And You're then, right. Like, the final one on this list, who is also dark and broody types of like, not going to let you know if you mean anything to me, is Nico. Oh, Nico is so exhausting. <laughs> I know. Shall we just move on from Nico? Because he's been his whole time just making Schmidt feel like he wasn't enough. And that is me. I just. It's mean, and I just want to say justice for Schmidt. He deserves yes. better. Justice for Schmidt. I completely <laughs> agree. Better. And now we arrive at your undercover toxics, okay? Your knight in shining. I'm everything you've ever wanted in a man. Therefore, I make no mistakes. I save the world, you know? Mm-hmm. I do amazing work. And therefore... How can I possibly be questioned about anything mm-hmm. that I do? You know, Derek, for me, whew, I fell into the trap that was set. <laughs> 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 the patriarchy got me. <laughs> As it is one to do. <laughs> and I was all McDreamy, McDreamy. But I mean... Watching it back, I mean, this man was so arrogant. Mm-hmm. He really believed, he, he drank his Kool-Aid and he believed in, he believed mm-hmm. in himself to the nth degree. He really believed himself to be the quintessential man. Like, what? And mm-hmm. also very mm-hmm. judgmental and so self-righteous. Judgmental. But, you know, I don't know if you um, heard recently this, uh, you know, just recent news that has come out. One of the things that's discussed is Shonda, Shonda Rhimes actually talks about how she doesn't, she never with Derek, he was supposed mm. to be McDreamy and never yeah. wanting to alienate the audience from Derek. Because, I mean, one of the ways they discussed about writing him off was he has an affair 
and like shoots a Meredith and she was like, no, you can't do that. He has Mm. to stay um, dreamy. And she speaks about even when Addison arrived, you find out that this man is married Mm. and he didn't tell Meredith. I mean, what kind of man doesn't at least say to his (laughs) girlfriend, oh, by the way, I've got an estranged wife. Yeah. (laughs) Like he didn't tell her and yet he still comes off looking like the victim because of course Addison had the affair and that was done on purpose. And so it's one of those like these things that he did and said that were quite manipulative or quite shady but yeah you still f- feel like he's mcdreamy and that's the way he's written well i mean i don't i think he is written as mcdreamy and we're supposed to take him as that but i think the audience we're the ones who run off with that stick absolutely he doesn't he does do these things that are absolutely questionable even mean at, at mm-hmm. many points that and it's not hidden right they don't necessarily make an excuse for him straight away in fact two um big moments that meredith had you know she has her pick me choose me love me situation because he says Mm -hmm. you know i've got it i've got to now try with my wife and it's true we simply gloss over the fact that he never said he was married we just go Mm -hmm. into your sort of stereotypical meredith is sad she's drinking all the tequila now right but Mm -hmm. when remember when he slut shames her Yes. Right? And then she does that thing where she says, you don't get to call me a whore. I'm going to make no apologies for how I choose to fix what you broke. And he has that mm-hmm. moment where he's confronted. But he was very, very, very rude. Right right before that, the way he was treating Meredith. Mm-hmm. When he was like, you're dating all these other people. So I'm going to be like, wow, you're so fast. Fast yeah. now. And I'm, I'm not going to let it slide. I'm going to let you know how I feel about it. But even later, when the way he, whenever he was going through difficult emotions that's when his arrogance and condescension would come out all the time trial isn't going well so meredith is going to catch the fire derek very much reminds me there's something i reflect on a lot it's super random right but i think about this (laughs) a lot when it comes to um how it must feel to be in a relationship with kind of narcissistic people and i know that that's a very specific medical term and it's kind of overused nowadays but Jennifer Garner, in an interview in some magazine, she's talking about Ben Affleck. They have been divorced now. And so she's asked, and obviously she can't answer in explicit ways. It's not anybody's business. But she Mm -hmm. uses this very beautiful metaphor. She says, Ben is like the sun. When he shines on you, it's amazing. When he's focused on you, you know, you feel like you're the only thing that matters. And it's truly just incredible. But when he's not facing you, the shadow that he casts, can also be felt quite strongly. Obviously, Mm. I'm paraphrasing and I've probably gone too long. And that is how Derek felt to me. Like when he was like, I'm happy, I'm shining on you, our life is good. Ha, the skies are open, everything's great. But when he was cold, man, you know, he was very cold. Even the way he he treated uh, Amelia, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. that was you know quintessential like very gross you know behavior why are you talking to your sister like this why are you acting like she's not an adult why are you having no empathy for the struggles she's had and inf- and infantilizing her as and well. inf- exactly yeah yeah look Derek uh, you know you talk about that um Ben being being the son and I just gotta say reminds me of Christina telling Meredith he you know Derek is not the son you are exactly and I and I have to agree it there was actually a scene where Callie tells him because they had that conflict about the senses for the they were doing this trial where they were trying to figure out how to make 
paraplegic people or completely paralyzed people mm. walk with these, you know, those machines that Kelly created. And then they were using Derek's senses. Yeah. And he then had told the government that they could take the senses, but without, you know, really speaking oh. to Kelly. And Kelly draws this diagram. Firstly, mm. he mansplains the brain. <laughs> To her, as if like she doesn't know medicine, <laughs> and she goes and draws on the on the the whiteboard that he was explaining the brain and brain mapping to her, and she draws this like this big this little circle actually, and then like these like things sticking out, and she says, "This is you. You think you are the center of the yeah. entire universe." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just thought. This is exactly Derek Shepard. He's like the center and everything, everybody else is just orbiting around him. Even in his behavior with his house and his trainer, you know, and he has to go and escape from there. And it's his that and he's going, you're going to live in my house. Like he was just very, very self-centered in many, many ways that we overlook because he is McDreamy. McDreamy. Yeah. At the end of the day, still McDreamy. It's Gerald Grant, right? Oh, gosh this man (laughs) i I don't even know if he's undercover toxic so much as just they were having an open affair for me to just see every day one of the things for me that i was always like come on fitzgerald grant they stole an election you know and he would just be oblivious to it he would pretend like he was just literally a god among men and meanwhile (laughs) you're a legacy wasn't he from some rich family wasn't his dad also previously yes all these things that are why is it that you think that you're amazing? But also, we've got to remember, the reason he believes it is because they let him believe it. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's <laughs> so true. But his declarations of love, his treatment of Millie, his all of it. All and of his it, treatment of, it, of Olivia it. when she yeah. was done with him and he was uh-huh. disgusted with her. And when he started a war for her. Like, what is huh? that? It's that so... That's oh. actually like level 10 of toxic. Like, if you're going to start a war, Helen of Troy, you know, how she was so beautiful. Yes. Please do not put this on Helen. Helen didn't do a damn thing, but it exists, okay? And somebody was like, take these thousands of men and let them all fight to the death because one yes. man has strong feelings. And it is the same thing. Everyone's like, oh, you people are causing this man feelings. No, he's making choices. <laughs> yeah, he's just weak minded. Fitz was honestly oh just weak minded. And also at the end of the day, I remember being like, I still don't understand. Even by the end of the show, I was like, can somebody tell me what was it about Fitz? You know, because they just show up and they're like, there's this chemistry, you know, they just have vibes. <laughs> but there was chemistry. Can, can, no, can I tell you? It was chemistry, but I don't know what it was other than his deep voice and the way they would look at each other. I do, okay, you tell me. Let me step out for a bit. Portia, Portia, I know that we are heading on Fitz in retrospect, okay? But <laughs> why? when we were in it, okay, okay. I was uh, team Fitz. I was I, team Olitz. <laughs> you know what? That is another trope, right? Because when whenever there's like these extra affairs and there's like deep chemistry and love, right? They always present the wife as a shrew. I'm really glad they gave Nelly full power and she became president. She really was portrayed as just this giant, what do, what do they call it when people, a ball and chain and usually the woman's like the heavy ball who's holding the man back or, you know, that sort of. I was rooting for Nelly and I was rooting for Olitz. Olitz. I was okay. I was there. I'm glad <laughs> gotta you're, say. you're able to be that honest with yourself when you reflect in the past. I mean, probably I was as well, 
but I will, <laughs> but I will stick to my gut and say I didn't. I still didn't really understand what the draw was. Oh, I hope you work out. This seems really hard for you, lovers. You know, you really like each yeah. other a lot, but not really getting. And I just oh. bought into it. You know, yeah, I bought into yeah. it. We sure did. So shall we give ourselves some balm, some balm for the soul? And discuss oh. the ones who are the least toxic of the bunch. Thank the, goodness the... for these men. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness for this man. Ah, <laughs> thank goodness for Ben. You know, Ben has only ever been there to support Bailey, to support his friends. He's one of the best friends there is, okay? Yes. He is always also endeavoring to be better himself. Remember when he was like, I think I want to be a surgeon. I'm going to pursue that. Do you remember Actually, that? Yes, I do remember that. And he's like, and you know what else? I actually want to be a firefighting you know he tells the <laughs> truth he doesn't just stick to what he's doing because it's most comfortable you know and he's honest about it and he compromises this man discusses this man is raising uh two sons you know that aren't his yeah fully being a father yeah i literally can't think of anything that is a negative about ben warren if you can feel free the only negative i have with yeah. ben is that he's not on gray's enough anymore I like know. that i know he's, he's now, now on station 19, station 19 yeah but i just i just want bailey's husband to appear one like more than once or twice yeah. he's just he's fantastic i love him he's a great captain yeah yeah i mean also i mean we already alluded to schmidt's glasses mm. shame he's just a sweet <sighs> he's just a sweetie he's just over there he's he's somebody who i would say is characterized as literally always doing his best <laughs> literally always trying always always every single time he tries so hard to do his very 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 best at all times i just also loved watching his journey and f- mm. you know he's figuring him- himself out it's got a bit of georgia mali vibes he really does he is there to do the george um and then we have from scandal david rosen david Mm. also tried his best because he was always always right in the middle and adjacent to all of the scandal no like always being asked by his love abby to do the most shady stuff but he did so reluctantly and honestly yes he was just full integrity and i and i love that about yeah he did his best to stay as close to that um and then in, in how to get away with murder we put down Oliver, mm-hmm. Nate Leahy, and Asher. Those are probably what we've got to take Nate out. I just remembered. He's got to go out. Well, here's the thing. Let me just say that everyone in How to Get Away with Murder, it was you hard. know Asher as well. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, even, even, even Oliver, even Oliver. <laughs> even Oliver. When he was like, "I will be a criminal." Like, <laughs> remember when he put that man in hospital? Yes, yes. This is the thing. It was very hard. That's why this is titled. Like, I was like, let's just say least. least. Yeah. least yes not non-toxic not none just least okay i mean i think george and glasses and ben are actually t- high tick and then i would maybe even add uh from station 19 you don't really watch that show but dean miller and travis who by the way we forgot to mention travis as um one of the crossover guest stars because he was in the cap yes yes exactly but you know that's, that's actually a- where i rem- that's where i know yes. him from that's the, yes. like sean the other shondaland show that i actually know him from yeah yeah i would add those and then of course we had we had said that deputy captain was link of this oh, team. Shame. and so i would say those men so ben glasses george dean travis and link high key tick good yes, they are yes. actually genuinely don't have very many blemishes next to their name 
everyone in Scandal, everyone in How to Get Away. Yes. <laughs> We're working on a scale of least, you know? Yes. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got Richard Weber, who, yeah. again, we're saying least. He definitely yeah. evolved. I mean, when he began, he was, I guess, more in the middle parts. He was yeah. quite toxic. Um, yeah. And also dealing with his own alcoholism and yeah. with his, you know, reckoning with himself yeah. and the fact that he had this affair, cheated on Adele and had this long relationship with Ellis mm-hmm. and, you know, being faced with Meredith and having to really deal with that. But once he did, he's really become just an incredible mentor, an incredible husband. Husband. It was that time mm-hmm. with, uh, with the hip, the hip thing that caused toxic toxicity in his body, yeah. in his brain, and all of that. But he's really, really been great. He really has, and he's been a great example of what we were talking about about you know striving for healing yeah. and working and being very, very honest and you know radically honest about where you've gone wrong. And because I yes. think he's also an older character, his character really serves as a great vehicle for that type of reflection. And so yeah. he's definitely on the on the not all men list. And then finally. Oh, did you want to add something? No, I was going to add to what you were going to say just now about the finally, because I'm a big Jake stan. So go ahead. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so from private practice on the least uh, toxic list, we have Jake, who uh, joined the practice and was played by Benjamin Bratt. So I'm a Benjamin Bratt stan. Jake, uh, Same. I don't know, you know, and then oh, I really part- liked Jake. Jake was a good character. It's true. And, and, and Sam and Sheldon. Yeah, I mean, Sheldon was just a sweetheart. Yeah, he was, but we forget, because remember when he was uh, struggling with paternity situation for Violet, <laughs> him and Pete? And, um, yes, I remember, I remember. He, he, was, he was definitely less toxic, but he was, he, was, he got a bit um, entitled and a bit rude and a little bit demandy. But, you know, for yeah. me, it was understandable in the circumstances. He was genuinely all around a good dude. And Sam as well. Sam was only not great when Anika Noni Rose played his sister. The backstory is that she sort of had a bipolar disorder and was a manic depressive. By the way, Anika Noni Rose is just incredible in anything that I she I wanted does. to say that she's just one of my faves. She's, she's truly, brilliant. she's incredible in The Good Wife, She's in, which uh, I think you also watched. She guest stars there. Um, yes. But anyway, she was really, 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 really great in private practice. You should see it if you haven't. You should have a rewatch. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Jake a little bit? Well, I just, look, I I thought he was a great character. I really liked his relationship with Addison. I know, I it's like, my pipe dream is that when she comes <laughs> back, then she comes with him. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. Oh, you know what, though? That would be quite nice, actually, because private practice is over. They can just decide that. Yes. Like, Damn, if only bring. we had put out this episode before they filmed so that they could I think know. about it. And they can come with their child. I'm really, I, I really <gasps> loved them together. Uh, you know, that's a dream. I like the story a lot. Okay, this is great. Do you want to, I think we can close it out now. I think we're, yeah. we're full. We're full on these uh, men. And thank goodness for these last men because they really, they really <laughs> soften everything. <laughs> um, and so we're going to close with a quote from uh, Christina Yang. It's really a note for all of all of us all and of especially us, these men that we <laughs> they have been talking about <laughs> but really um, everyone yeah but really everyone mm. um being aware of your crap and actually overcoming your crap 
are two very different things. Christina Yang. That's it. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That was really fun, Nomsa. Thanks, Porsche. Ciao, ciao. If you listen to the show and you like it and you love it and you want to support it and help other people find us, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Assume It Will Be Brilliant Pod. And if you have any questions, queries, or comments, please email us at assumeitwillbebrilliant at gmail.com. And remember, step out into the unknown, assuming it will be brilliant.